Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. Ah, it's good to be back. I don't know who listens, but I sure have a lot of fun doing this. My guest today is Alec Ryan. He's a musician here in the Denver area, but he's moving to Nashville in about three and a half weeks. I wonder why. It's not like there's a lot of people doing that sort of thing. Anyway, he is a a singer-songwriter, grew up in Iowa. I thought this was very interesting. He took his first formal piano lessons from his parents at the college level. Uh, His mom was a classical teacher, and his dad was a a jazz teacher at, you know, I'm spacing on the name of the school, but it'll come up in the podcast. And he, he played trombone as a kid, and then wanted to do piano, so he started playing piano at 17. His parents sort of got him ready uh, for for this school he went to, sort of a trade school, a two-year program in music, and his parents were the a couple of the professors there. So he took lessons from his parents at the college level in music. I thought that was fascinating. We get more into that in the episode. He also just dropped, notice I said dropped, not released. He just dropped his first at the first half of his first album actually it's called paper the second half pen is uh coming out at the beginning of 2020 but he just put out paper and it sounds great he's a piano marvelous piano player and songwriter you should check him out i put links in the show notes to where you can find more information on him and his music he also is somewhat of a digital advertising guru He's that's sort of his his other hustle is he does online stuff, digital advertising for companies and has had some success doing that. And actually recently he met up with me and manager Ellie and helped us put together a uh, Facebook ad manager and helped us with the Facebook ads. I realized I have no idea how to do any of that stuff. And Alec was a huge help and sort of showed us how much we don't know about it. But he really just is a big bucket of knowledge in that department. He talks about Indiepreneur and Ari's Take Academy. He's actually a moderator in Ari Take Academy's face Ari's Take Academy, excuse me, uh, the Facebook page. He's a moderator in there because he knows so much about uh, audience growth online. And what else did I put in my little notes here? Oh, he talks about setting up tracking codes on your website, something that was new for me, and he actually helped me do it. One of the perks of having cool guests on the podcast. You can have a Facebook tracking code that you give to your website that helps Facebook when you're creating ads to target your audience a little better. Anyway, this this episode, if you're a, a music fan... He's got a, a great story and and great music. If you're a musician, he's got a lot of really great tidbits for indie musicians that I think we can all learn from. So I, I really hope you enjoy the episode. Here is my conversation with Alec Ryan. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for taking time out of your day to drive through Denver metro traffic and sit in my bedroom. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm excited. Um, so you're actually, I've, I've been talking to a lot of local people lately, and you're not local for long. You just announced that you're you're moving. That is correct, yes. To um, one of the two places that all musicians <laughs> Yeah, I'm headed to Nashville um, next month, so that's coming fast. I'm probably less than 30 days out from a move. Wow. And yeah. what, I mean, besides the obvious, why, <laughs> are you, why are you moving to Nashville? What's... Um, so I, uh, you know, obviously could make a move at any time, you know, we're all adults who can just get up and go, but, um, had an opportunity open up with some housing with some people that I've, uh, played with before that used to play in my band here in Denver. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like a good timeline and no reason to wait really. Um, so a lot of what I'm doing right now is focused on online growth with uh music stuff and that can be done anywhere so figure if i'm gonna do some networking and everything i may as well uh go do it where there's a lot of people that are similar minded and a lot of a lot of industry folk and yeah i mean young and single and no kids so yeah let's just make a move happen if you're young and single um it's even better if you don't have no if you don't got no kids (laughs) fair enough (laughs) yes (laughs) and so you originally came from Iowa. Correct. And we know why you left there. <laughs> no, Probably. I'm just kidding. It's a nice state. Uh, yeah, no, it's a nice state. Yes, that's that's a good way to put it. It just doesn't have a ton happening on the music front. Yeah. Des Moines starting to, to blossom a little bit, it seems like. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just a smaller pond still. So. Yeah made sense to get into a major market somewhere and at the time I was trying to move I had a buddy with an open room in his place here in Denver and the scene the scene here seemed eclectic enough and so Denver seemed like an easy jump didn't feel like I had my uh my act together enough to get um to be moving to in like a Nashville or in LA at that point so I figured uh, a nice jump to a metro in the time being would be good. So you decided to to just come to a slightly bigger city, basically. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? How old were you when you made the move? Uh, twenty five. Okay. Yes, twenty five. And you've enjoyed it, was like it three years ago. Okay, you've enjoyed it so far. We're the same age. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, we talked about that once. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. Class of nine. Like like two months apart, I think. Yeah. Yep. June. In, uh, yeah. August. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great. Cool. <laughs> cool. The boys are hot. The girls are fine. We're the class of two thousand nine. Oh, nice. Right. I, don't, I don't. I don't know if we had a slogan thing. Speaking of, did you have a ten-year anniversary? Like three, three weeks ago, I just, I did, I went. Nice. Yeah, my my class just did theirs like last weekend, and I wasn't there. I it was in Iowa, and I fell off my radar entirely. And then everyone was posting about it online all of a sudden, and it was like forty-eight hours away, and here I was, you know, seven hundred miles away, and I didn't go. Oh. So, I don't know. I mean, there'll be another one, right? In ten years. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know. I was surprised how much fun it was. Uh, <laughs> I was I was surprised how much fun it was. It yeah. was a small Catholic school, and they redid half of it, so we didn't even recognize the school, which was just crazy. Mm. I felt old, but it was just oh, cool seeing everybody. About that, actually, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. They spelled my name wrong next to the class song. So, wait, why are they putting your name next to the song? Because I wrote it. You wrote the class song. Yeah. <laughs> 
of course you did. That's the one cool, cool. thing I did in high school. <laughs> Wait, the, is that the little slogan thing you just said? You wrote that? No. Oh, oh, no, oh. I, I wrote this song called Sheridan Road. My high school was off of Sheridan Road. Got it. Um, Sheridan Boulevard, I guess, in Broomfield. Holy Family. And, Got uh, it. And uh, so I wrote this song. and It was between that and Dream On, so... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sweet. So let's uh let's backwards hop. Sure. Uh to pre high school graduation. Uh you're in Iowa. When yep. do you start getting into music? What's life like as a kid? Well, my whole family is musicians, so pretty well right off the bat, I guess. Um I played trombone growing up. Really? Since like fifth grade or whatever. Wow. Yeah, and I, I like worked pretty hard with it too. Like I was trying out for like Allstate and those kinds of things and, <laughs> you know, band, band nerd. Yeah. Quote unquote. I, word. I relate. Yeah. Yeah. What did you play? Sax. Well, sax. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> band nerds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when did you realize that you weren't going to get laid playing the trombone? <laughs> that that was probably i mean i probably probably never crossed my mind early on but that was probably pretty clear um no i i switched over to um other interests and stuff kind of like my senior year in high school um so i was up to that point just playing trombone wasn't singing or anything like that like i wasn't in choir and all that stuff i hated it i hated school choir um but then senior year in high school, um, by that point, I was doing a variety of things just because it seemed that I was capable. And we had a small enough pool of musicians in a tiny little town. There were 7,000 people in the town I grew up in. Right. So Seven musicians. <laughs> yeah, one per 1,000. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I was playing in a, a, a drum line, like an indoor drum line thing, and playing some piano and some drums and some trombone in a jazz band and doing the drum major thing with all that you know with the marching band and whatnot and so it just kind of started branching out a bunch and then by the time I was auditioning for schools like for college to keep studying and whatnot they uh were all kind of trying to tell me to keep playing trombone because that's the, the thing I had experience with and whatnot and no I <laughs> didn't want to and so uh actually wound up at a small a small community college program that both my parents taught at um school for music vocations was the name of that but um, both your parents taught at that yeah yeah. so they were musician musicians or are yes what what do you mean musician well i i mean i hear a lot of people say oh i grew up in a family of musicians i grew up in a family of musical people but they weren't like you know they were amateurs oh sure sure your parents that's what they did yeah yeah, my dad was the head of that program at that time, and no my way. mom was like the main piano instructor. Uh, so, like the, my first year or two there, I was taking classical piano, studying classical piano with my mom and jazz piano with my dad. No way. Yeah. So your parents are both pretty ball and piano players. Yeah, I mean that's that's where I that's where I learned things from. And, wow. And so that was that was a two year program, and most I mean it was kind of like a trade school sort of where. It was like music study all day, every day, basically. Um, yeah. Sort of conservatory style, but still at a community college, so it was small. Um, but most of what I used as like a songwriter in terms of like harmony knowledge and chords and piano, piano work in that context came from that school. Wow. Even though I went and finished like undergrad studying music too. 
That's cool. And yeah. So did you study with your parents growing up or or were they like, we're not going to teach our kid and send you somewhere else? Um, (laughs) they, uh, they, I think best I recall as like a five and six year old, I took piano a little bit with each parent. Like I tried studying a bit with my dad or whatever. And I was like five years old and it didn't, you know, I hated it. I told him I wasn't going to do it or something. And then, uh, they switched over, tried to do it with my mom also didn't work. And yeah. And then I just didn't play piano till I was 17. No kidding. Yeah. So I just dropped, dropped off the map with piano all altogether for a decade. And did they let you do your own thing with trombone and the band or, or were they like, all right, you got to practice for this amount of time a day. I'm going to watch you. I'm going to help you with your intervals and your mm. ear training and stuff. Or did they kind of stay out of it? No, they were pretty well out of it. I don't mean out of it like <laughs> spacey. Absent. I mean like, they, yeah, I, they stayed out of it pretty much, pretty well. Um, I was just kind of doing my own thing trombone wise, but, um, but yeah, then, uh, did some singing with a group with one of my dad's group from groups from the college, my senior year in high school, just cause they needed a bass in that group. Like they had someone leave the program or something. And so I filled in there and then wound up going there and continuing to sing and that was a a program that would accept people of any skill level on instruments and so i could come in not having piano skills and start studying piano which was great because then a couple years later it allowed me to transfer out and be a piano major at a university so wow just uh yeah played a lot of catch-up so i don't have as much piano um technical technical skills as a, a lot of people our age just because i didn't start playing when i was like six but you picked it up pretty yeah. quick Dude, runs quick, in the, runs in the family around, guess, and, you know? and uh you had other you know the musical knowledge from the trombone that you could kind of transfer over yeah yeah i had plenty of theory stuff already and yeah kind of started to get like a crash course on some things the summer before i was a freshman in college to uh kind of just set me on the right foot that my dad just walked me through a lot of stuff so nice yeah were they now, what is that like? This is I. I hope this is in your bio about uh, taking your first piano lessons from your parents at the college level because that's awesome. <laughs> uh, so, what were they like in an academic setting? Uh, did you walk in and call them mom and dad? Were they harsh graders? I mean, what we we need to get into this. I find this fascinating. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I just called them mom and dad. Um, it'd be kind of weird to call them Cindy and Jason. That doesn't, yeah, never done that in my life really. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think they, I don't think they really went easy on me in terms of grading on anything. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, it's probably, there's probably like inside jokes and stuff coming from like my dad and stuff that I got that maybe other people didn't get or something or like maybe I kind of knew what jokes were coming when but it was jokes in class, if your you know, lesson but, was 11 to 11 30 you showed up 11 to 11 30 and did your lesson yeah then. yeah like yeah. I didn't like they didn't just throw me A's or something yeah. you know like yeah. I think uh it, there was one there was one time I think that um we had these performances that we had to do at the end of the school year that were like a not a jury like most programs do juries, you know, do you know, yeah. are you familiar? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Juries are scary, but we didn't have juries. We had these things called final projects where you would do, you would perform a bunch of different stuff. Cause it was like a very, 
immersive kind of program where we were like studying you know classical theory and jazz arranging and jazz piano and classical piano and stuff from the like we had studio classes and study on different instruments like voice lessons and various things and so we were singing you know classical voice stuff and jazz voice and classical piano and jazz piano and having an, a jazz arrangement performed by a group of people and all of this was on like this one final performance thing at the end of the year yep. and there's a point i think where i was i was performing a uh a jazz just a solo jazz piano kind of thing and i uh they i i my tempo i think changed in the middle of it or something like like to a point where it was noticeable i guess to the teachers and they had they like did a sort of like a, a highlights night at the end where they would pick different people doing different individual songs and me doing the jazz piano song was a part of that little highlight evening yeah and uh <laughs> I heard later that actually it was the reason that I was picked to do that song was that they, my dad and the other instructor that were like grading, grading our performances wanted to see if it was a fluke that I messed up my tempo, but then I performed it the exact same way the next time I messed up the tempo again. And so they docked the grade on that. Uh. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, what are you talking about? I, my tempo wasn't bad, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think I ever listened back on the performance, but they're probably right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty pretty uh pretty on top of their game so that's great uh, they're probably right yeah 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 and is that that's how your folks met were they music teachers together uh yeah they went through a similar program the guy who started the little two-year program that i was a part of does like very jazz focused and everything um they went through that guy's program i think at the same time mm. and so they met at that school cool and, and then, then started teaching there later yeah later on uh, yeah. they moved to the bay area for a while i was born in the bay area actually in like san jose okay in california and but then we moved to iowa when i was one so i'm not really like from there i was just born there but wow yeah and then lived lived in the same place for or in the same general area till you were mm -hmm. done with your two-year program yeah yeah um i was in that little town of seven thousand people until i turned i think 21 Okay. And then I went off to uh, University of Northern Iowa and finished school. Very nice. Got the bachelor's degree. Was that just another two years? Um, I actually did three years, three years at each school. So I did six years of undergrad. Okay. Um, which was which was good. I mean, I switched majors at the university, and I also switched the schools. And so, you know, some stuff transfers, some stuff doesn't, whatever. Well, what majors did you, what major did you switch from? Uh, so I was, uh, um, just like a performance major, I think it, initially. And then I didn't even wind up graduating with a music degree. I wound up with like a communications degree or something, which was like a hybrid thing with like music and marketing. So yeah. my school didn't have like a music business program or something. It was just, yeah, like they, they were pumping out like public school teachers and like opera majors and jazz players. Like that's what my school was pumping out at the time. And so I was like, none of these would benefit my my interests as a singer songwriter yeah and so i went looking to kind of find some sort of hybrid thing that would get marketing into the mix and it wound up with a communications title of sorts so very nice yeah and then was did you hang out uh in Nor at northern iowa for a little while after that or around that area or did you is that when uh, about when the move happened um the move happened in like one year after i completed school right so, i just did that math real quick yeah <laughs> that's about um, right <laughs> yep so uh 2015 uh school finished 2016 i moved out here to denver and 
Yeah. Came out to yeah. Denver. Yeah. And, started, and here we are. Started teaching. Uh, yeah. And started doing some teaching. Uh, that was kind of a slow pickup for me. I wasn't teaching initially. I was more on the marketing side because I was doing an agency, advertising agency job out in, um, out in Iowa after school for a year and then came out here, picked up another job with an agency and kept doing that because it was a salary, you know, something I knew I could be really stable income wise right off the bat. So right. then, uh, then it kind of branched off, kind of cut the agency job back, um, back to part-time started teaching. Yeah. Were there other places you were looking at moving? Yeah, I looked at I looked at a bunch of stuff. Um, the degree of seriousness to which I looked at any of them is debatable. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought about places like Seattle and Portland. Obviously, pretty highly thought about like L.A. Um, yeah. Even thought about London for a while, just because I hear their scene is crazy. There's like a lot of the industry there. Yeah. I think, but but obviously that was a way more complicated move. To yeah. Try to go to London. Yeah. But um but yeah, I hadn't I hadn't been put thinking a ton on it prior to the time when I had talked to my buddy Joe and um and he let me know that he had a place here and so that was just like, Oh well that's half the battle of moving, it's just knowing where you're gonna live. So that seemed like an easy easy jump and since I was moving by myself, that kinda made some sense, you know. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. So you ended up in Denver and then let's let's kinda jump into your singer songwriter career a little bit when did you started mm-hmm. start writing songs and how did that how did that evolve um i think i was 17 so basically as soon as i was playing anything on the piano i was starting to write a little bit mostly it was no good but <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah. well yeah that's that's <laughs> um, a, a familiar story the nature yeah. yeah um but no i had a band that i played with in my senior year in high school um, in that tiny little town you know with like the handful of musicians that wanted to do something of that sort yeah there was probably only about five of us and three of us started a band you know (laughs) um and i was actually drumming i was drumming in that band um played a little bit of piano wrote wrote a tune for it but we didn't ultimately do a whole lot and uh yeah there was a point then when i transferred out to northern iowa that I spent about a year, I think, before I was doing any performing, just writing. I think I wrote like 50 songs in a year that year, just not not practicing as much as I should and not focusing on school as much as I should, but just in the practice rooms all day, every day writing. Writing songs. And you know, I really felt like I started getting a, a pretty good feel for everything. Nice. In that, in, that, in that stage and then started doing some solo performing and stuff out in Iowa and didn't put a band together till I got here. And now it's nice because you can put a little bit more of the vision together. Is the, the band, the it, it, are they hired guns or are they, are they members? Do they have some creative say? Um, so we don't, I don't have a lot of like solidified players. I've been working with Mike Trimble um, on drums and a variety of other things. Um, basically right from the get, which has been awesome. He's, you know, I consider him a band member. Um, but I mean, we've we've kind of cycled in and out of some other players, like the bassist that we worked with for a while, to moved out of town. Um, but she's in Nashville, and I'm about to live with her, and I'm excited to hopefully play with her some more too. Awesome. Um, and then we've worked with various guitar players on the record and a couple different ones for live live shows and stuff. And 
Yeah, so really it's kind of just been Mike and I doing a lot of stuff thus far. Um, and he plays drums. He's also produced the record too. Oh, cool. So he used to own a studio out in the Bay Area because um, he's from, I think he was in San Francisco. And all of that stuff is now, you know, just in his home. And so we uh, have been recording at his house and it's phenomenal. He's great. Nice. Yeah. So he did it all there. Excellent. Yeah. Um, well, let's see, did we do it all there or did we do it anywhere else? No, yeah, I think it's all been, all been at his house. Well, a little bit at his previous house. He moved. Now he's in a new place, has a lot more space and we've been doing things, things there now. Um, we've hired out certain things. Um, like there's a guy in Nashville right now laying down some guitar overdubs like this week to finish up some stuff. But, but yeah, otherwise it's just been, it's been done, done in the home and, and had a good uh, Anna Frick doing the mastering up at Airshow up yeah. north of Boulder. Sure, it's been good. It it must be nice if you're doing a, a a home studio sort of record to have it be at a drummer's house, because I think if you're not a drummer and you're doing the home studio thing, mm-hmm. it's hard to touch drum. I don't touch drums down here. I'll do anything else. I'll demo stuff on the electric kit that uh that you have to jump right. over to get to the bed but <laughs> yeah you know it, it yeah, it's yeah. nice he was able to get a good a good drum tone obviously in his yeah. in his house no yeah i think it sounds i think it sounds great um and you know him having done it out of like a professional studio for a while you know he's got he's got a lot of equipment with which to record drums and everything and he the house he's renting right now actually has a really cool uh living room with like a vaulted ceiling up that's like kind of diagonals as it goes up and stuff and has a nice natural delay in it and we can just clear out his living room and put drums in the middle of it and it's been good yeah it's been very good that's awesome yeah sounds like a great a great resource and you guys have obviously done some recording together because Mm -hmm. you just put out uh, do we call it an ep or half of an album it's the first half of the album this is a it's a full record um we've got eight songs coming total four of which are out already um, but yeah, I think there's just enough about the way that people listen to music nowadays that kind of just breaking it up a little bit and, you know, working, working with what we had available and getting music out, um, as quickly as we could without, without waiting for the rest of the album to be done, I think made some sense in terms of release. And so since it kind of had, kind of had two sides to what's going on with the album that it, uh, gave us a chance to do a little bit of releasing early and so we've got half the album out already and uh yeah the album's called paper and pen and paper is already out paper's already out and you're kind of it's coming you're kind of leaving us hanging because if you give if you give anyone a piece of paper they're gonna ask you for a pen oh nice like like give a mouse a cookie kind of thing yeah yeah give a moose a muffin is that a follow-up book i think so i thought that was the first book but Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, I don't know. I think when I was a kid, the first one I had was the give a mouse a cookie. So I don't know what came after. There's that. probably tons of them now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's and and it's a great it's a great half of a record. And I'm oh, looking yeah. forward Thanks. to hearing the other half. What uh, what are the songs about to you? Are these is, are they tied in with a theme? Is it the best of what you've done so far? Um, A little of both, actually. Um. So obviously when I came out to Denver sitting on a ton of tunes, you know, and not making, 
not making a ton of use of of uh, any of the tunes prior to coming out here, you know, just doing solo performances and stuff, but started doing some work um, for the record uh, and for live shows and stuff with the band. And it allowed us to kind of flesh out ideas on some stuff, kind of work through things, through some things live. And so the eight songs on the record um, are all pretty well wrapped around the idea of kind of pursuing that which sets your soul on fire a little bit um and a lot of time spent in iowa was spent in not really knowing for sure what that was in kind of pursuing different things um whether it's relationships or different types of work or different niches with music and and it eventually kind of settled in and I knew what, what needed to happen. And so the Denver move took place and most of these tunes were written in Iowa actually. So they're a little bit older, older songs on this record. And it's been, it's been good. It's been good working through, through recording some of these um, because I think it's kind of a first stage of that pursuit of the things that set your soul on fire. Um, and then we'll have some follow-up stuff, I think, with like future plans for albums that kind of are the next stages of some of that pursuit in life. Yeah, ah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And is it? And this is the first. This is it. This is the the debut with this with this crew. Yeah. Um, wait. What do you mean? I mean like with I, the record? Yeah. Everything? I don't see any. I mean, that that's your only thing you've got up on on Spotify. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So this record is the first thing. This um, is it. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the this is the first taste of kind of the full vision of the music. Yeah. With um you know, with a full band production and everything. I know I did a lot of performing as a solo artist and I think a lot of people became used to that being the sound from Alec and it never was the vision in my head. Right. Um but I just never had the full crew of people in Iowa that I needed for this and then it turned out Mike um drummer and producer on the project has uh, just an incredible vision for the type of music that we're doing and you know understood it right away a lot of similar influence kind of almost an older older style to things that isn't exactly a 2019 sound but it was a sound that we both had in mind on some stuff so great yeah and are you guys you guys have been out playing some shows and stuff what's 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 coming up what happened that was cool Tell us about the tell us about the live show a little bit. Um, yeah, so we actually did a, a fair amount of playing um, the first full year in town here, which I think would have been twenty seventeen. Um, and it's I mean it's good. It's just the small small clubs in Denver kind of thing, a uh, fair amount. And we kind of put a, put a pause on that for a little bit as we moved toward. Um, kind of focusing on audience growth online see if we can develop some listeners that way and moved over eventually to you know to almost an entirely online focus and but then recently had an opportunity pop up um back in may to open up for parachute at gothic theater which was great actually that that was a recommendation from you andy all right yeah you know you already know um but yeah, so that was a last minute thing and we we had some the the band popped together. We flew Caroline back in from Nashville to play that show with us. And 
everything kind of just reassembled itself in a couple of days there and we were able to put the show on stage with the full band and it was good um looking forward to hopefully doing a lot more performing when we get out to nashville um just because it feels like more opportunity lives there in yeah. terms of growth with original music and stuff like that so. is is that what you see doing kind of transforming into when you go out to Nashville starting to play live more or are you going to be still focusing really hard on the uh online audience growth are you going to try to do a a big hybrid um I think there's got to be both I think you I think you have to have both if you're going to be working in 2019 or 2020 as an original artist um I think you can't really afford to ignore the internet um, just cause the biggest thing I think is that it gives you the chance to, um, focus a little bit more on a niche, a sound, like a genre niche, um, in terms of the audience that you're seeking, instead of just focusing on your location and your immediate surroundings. Right. Cause you know, um, we all have a pretty, any, any given artist has a pretty defined sound, you know, that the main audience for that sound might not be here in the city that they're in. Right. Right. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if you're doing your, I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not also trying to find the actual appropriate audience for yourself online Mm -hmm. along with doing whatever performing you're doing. Um, and you know, I think live performance, I want that to be a little bit more of the mix as well. I'm, I'm looking to set myself up with some, um, flexible, like remote type of work so I can get on and off the road a little bit. Hopefully do, hopefully do a bit of touring, hopefully see if I can find someone who can set that kind of stuff up to be done fairly professionally rather than just DIYing myself all over the place. Yeah. Um, just so I can, you know, hopefully use it as a pretty, pretty efficient, substantial means of building a listening audience. Yeah. So, and, and I know you, you do have a, you have an advantage over a lot of indie artists in that realm in that Mm -hmm. your other hustle is, it involves digital advertising. Yeah. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when I was finishing school, actually, I wound up with a bit of a hybrid focus on music and marketing, advertising stuff. Um, and it wound up with an internship that got me in the door with a company um, that hired me on after school where I was with an agency full time. Um, we were advertising for car dealerships. That's all that agency did. Um, massive massive uh slew of clients with just all car dealerships from all over the country nice. um and and so a lot of a lot of my focus became on google google and facebook's ad platforms which allow for everything from throwing up ads in the search search listings or on youtube or on facebook or instagram or all of those things and so so yeah, doing that and then coming out to, to Denver and working with another agency here as well has definitely um, bolstered up the amount of knowledge and amount of skills that we have to work with in terms of building an online audience, which has been huge. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I wanted to chat, get into that, uh, the whole digital advertising realm with you a little bit mm-hmm. and the online audience growth. I know, one, uh, a lot of our demographic is indie musicians listening to the podcast um, sure and also uh ellie and i sat down with you a few weeks ago and you blew our minds on <laughs> on on facebook ads i think we were looking specifically at at facebook and instagram 
And it was really kind of amazing to me how little I knew relative to how much I thought I knew about it. Uh, never claiming to be an expert, but uh, just a DIY guy. I thought, well, I can put an ad together, and here's my demographic, and I'm going to put it here. And I've never really seen uh, big results from an ad. And sure. you sat down, and you started showing us these things that got much deeper. We need to find out what beer these people drink, and... Here's how we can fi- – I mean, we're not going to figure that out, but here's how Facebook's going to figure that out and grab that <laughs> audience. And and yeah. uh, and I thought it, it was fascinating, mm-hmm. and we were both super happy leaving that meeting and also super – oh, man, we have so much work to do <laughs> leaving that Dude, meeting. Dude, always so much work to do, man. Um, even as the one sitting here – that has knowledge on that stuff. It's just like an endless slew of things you could do. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's, um, you know, obviously social media is the, the thing that people focus everything around. Right. Um, and by people and focus everything, I mean, musicians and focus, uh, audience growth. Right. Right. Um, you have a show coming up, promote it on Facebook and Instagram. Right. Um, you have a new album out, pump it out on your socials, you know? Um, but the interesting thing is obviously Facebook makes a ton of money, um, on their ad platform and Facebook owns Instagram, which I know, you know now, but I don't know if everyone, everyone's familiar with that, but, um, Facebook makes a ton of money off their ad platform and, they do some of that by making it as easy as possible for anyone and everyone to put money behind a post. And the problem is that most people don't know how to do it effectively. But the other problem and the equally as big problem is that Facebook doesn't care that you don't know what you're doing. You know, (laughs) like they're just like, well, you're giving us your money. Like we don't care if it brings you any results. So why should, why should they, right. You know, they're making millions and billions of dollars over here. Like literally billions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I think, I think it was, last time I checked it was like 2018 but I think 2018's numbers were like Facebook made at least 20 billion dollars off of their ad platform in no the, kidding in, in the calendar year yeah 20 billion and it and it's my personal opinion that if you're making that much money you should have more and better customer service but that's a conversation for another time yeah yeah if we want to have a nice rant about the problems with Facebook ads we could do that yes. all day um but but yeah, so Facebook uh, offers a platform that is way more business focused and gives you way more control over the ads you're running than simply boosting a post. Um, and I only know it deeply well because of my job. Um, I didn't just sit at home and figure it out because I was bored. I was sitting in an agency running things for clients and managing, you know, thousands of dollars of ads every month. And that's where a lot of that experience came from. Um, but so it's called Facebook's business manager platform and it offers people the option to target at a better level or to place tracking codes on your website so you can remarket to audiences and capture them, capture them on a list and serve them more content or, you know, serve them deals if you're trying to sell merch bundles and all the different things. Right. Right. Um, but that business manager platform is very, very detailed and very convoluted. Um, it's a lot going on there. And unless you have a pretty good understanding of it, it's just as easy to go there and waste money as it is 
boosting a post and burning money um, just because there's so many settings. And if you mess one of them up, it's just easy to it's have a whole gonna... campaign that's not working right. Right. You know, but it's been good. Um, I've done a lot of tests with that, um, with music over the last couple of years. Um, everything from running uh, cam- campaigns or like video ad campaigns to have clips of like performances and that kind of things. And then using that to build audiences and find uh, followers on Facebook and followers on Instagram, that kind of stuff um, to also using, using the platform to drive traffic to things like Spotify and stuff. Um, there's a couple really good resources out there that I've been working off of ideas with. Um, one's called Indiepreneur. I don't know. Mm. Do you, have you heard of that one? Uh, because of you. Oh, yep. cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, they have a really robust set of like trainings and stuff that they do for ads and different things. And then, um, the other one, which is a, a newer, newer, uh, training that's set up for musicians online is called Ari's take Academy, which is yep. Ari Herstan's thing. Yep. Um, I'm going to be the first one to finish the new edition of his book. Nice. No, probably not, but, <laughs> like but I'm going quick. Fast. Yeah. Um, no, that's a great book. Uh, yep. Yeah, so Ari teamed up with um, an artist named Lucidius, um, who's had a lot of success himself with the different ad strategies that he's put together. They kind of teamed up to start offering that as a course. They put together a whole course for people that can uh, can join and work through a bunch of video trainings and stuff on how to run these different ads for growth on Instagram and Spotify or YouTube or Apple Music or whatever you're trying to build up. And it's it's great. It's... Uh, yeah, I mean, them and Indiepreneur both have a lot of good strategies going on. So, it's good. yeah. It's I wish good. I'd signed up for for that class when it was still 250 bucks or whatever. It's I think it's gone up quite a bit, right? It has, yeah. Um, the I think Ari's take now goes at $1,000 to join. Um, and But Indiepreneur, on the other hand, is 37 I think, $37 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you've gotten a lot of value out of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of value there. Um, everything from detailed, like Facebook ads training to email marketing, um, and, uh, proper album release stuff and merch bundle things. And yeah, it's a variety, variety of stuff. It's good. So that's something for a monthly fee. You can sign up and then you have access to courses or PDFs or something. Yeah. It's a lot of video courses. Um, cool. And yeah, there's like, I want to say like 10 to 20, somewhere in there, uh, different courses in terms of, uh, you know, a whole course on just like the psychology of a fan relationship that they call the buddy system, which is just like the connection of how someone discovers you and, uh, all the way through to then becoming a customer and then becoming an advocate of your music to their friends and, and the likes. Yeah. Um, everything from that to ads and email marketing and Spotify growth. And they cover a lot of stuff in there and you have ongoing access to that as well as access to like a, a, a private Facebook community of other people doing the same thing. Um, so there's always ideas being floated around in there. People help troubleshoot stuff for each other and it's cool. Well, that's really neat. So yeah. yeah, that's good. It's good that you've gotten value out of both of those, and those are both good recommendations for listeners. Ari's Take Academy and Indiepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you doing some stuff with, with the Academy? Are you doing some moderating on the Facebook group or something like I that? I am, yeah. I told you about that, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so 
Ari and Lucidius were, um, you know, I think, I think because I know a fair amount about Facebook ads, which come stems from the day job. Um, and a lot of that group is musicians. And so they're not necessarily, um, experienced with the platform with Facebook ads. And so, yeah, Ari and Lucid have brought me on as a moderator in the group to help kind of lend, um, almost an experienced, just kind of an experienced, uh, point of view in to help students out and kind of ensure that they have people, you know, with just the, the little check mark next to the name, I think, yeah. um, to kind of let's lend some credibility to a couple of moderators, knowing that those people have experience with the platform and that the advice that they're giving on the, you know, to help people troubleshoot stuff is legit. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I'm working directly with their team on some stuff and, you know, when we have, you know, when they have ideas to test and we can, we can talk about some things in like some, uh, just some private discussion groups with the different, with the admins, with Ari and Lucidius and myself and one other moderator as well. And so you guys all get together and chat? Yeah, we have a, just like a Slack channel um, just cool. for online communication and everything, but we can discuss different ideas on how to, how to handle some things with uh, ad stuff and different tests to facilitate and stuff like that. And it's, it's good. It's a, it's a growing, a growing group. I think there's about, I want to say like 800 people in the, in the Facebook course no like that, are, that are taking the course now. And so um, it's good to have a couple of moderators in there just so we can ensure that there's a couple of us combing through questions and trying to make sure that people get the answers that they need. Yeah. It's good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So if you are an indie musician trying to tap into these abundant resources and maybe aren't involved in either of the Ari State Academy or Indiepreneur, and you're just using the fa is it a Facebook Business Manager? Mm -hmm. And you're using Facebook Business Manager. Sure. What's a couple things that we can do to help out ensure that our campaign doesn't uh, suck? <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot, there's so many, so many things. Um, yeah, that's probably a broad qu question. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, I think, you know, I, I wind up with a lot of people asking me about ad stuff um, just because they know that I do it. And because it is it is confusing, um, confusing or complicated or overwhelming. Or even if you feel like you have a pretty good grasp on it, it can take a lot of time, you know. So uh, what I wind up referring people to a lot is either referring them back to Indiepreneur or Ari's Take Academy um, or Facebook has I believe what they call it their blueprint blueprint like trainings Facebook does that um, that kind of walks you through a lot of the how-to with setups and best practices and different stuff to help you get off the ground and they I think they offer certification through that as well um, I haven't done it just because it's not been particularly pertinent to actually be certified for me at this point but right um but yeah it's a great resource for just learning how a lot of things work and i mean i think the other thing obviously you can learn anything online go watch youtube tutorials or whatever i'm sure there are people walking walking through the steps on some of that stuff to understand the platform better but i really think the best thing that you can do is find someone around you around you who knows it well and just sit down with them like we did 
yeah. you and I sat down on a little bit. Yeah. Um, because unless you're going to devote time to it, it's a it's a very it's a very immersive platform. There's a lot there's a lot to take in, and you can set up literally one setting wrong in a campaign and just get way crappier results than you meant to. Sure. And and so I think it's it's more well, than more than worth your time and or money to sit down with someone who knows what they're doing to either walk you through a lot of stuff or to have them set up some things for you. Yeah. And now, now what's an example of, of something obvious that you might set up wrong? I know when we sat down together, uh, one of the things you did was you made sure that you were targeting people that had confirmed events on Facebook uh, and there was a couple events where I was opening for a bigger artist, so there were quite a few people who had said going on the event. Sure. And I hadn't even thought of looking into something like that. I hadn't thought about the events pages. What are what's maybe a couple a couple things that are uh, that are missing without maybe getting it? I know it's a big, complicated uh, uh, platform, yeah, yeah. but what's maybe a couple tidbits you could give to musicians? Um. It's important to remarket to the people who already know who you are when you have something going on. Um, uh, Kyle Lemaire um, from Indiepreneur, the guy who does those trainings, uh, said one thing that I, I thought was pretty pretty spot on in terms of how consumers interact with things. And he said, if you're releasing an album and you put out an ad that just says, new album, drops on you know december 1st whatever it is is that there's no point there's no point in that ad because there are two types of people there are the people who really like what you're doing and if they if they care if there are people that people that care that you have an album coming out they already know yeah and the other people who don't know also don't care so if they care they already know and if they don't already know they don't care yeah. So running an ad to tell people who don't already know is not as beneficial because they just probably don't care. Yeah. So there, there's a couple things to do targeting wise in that con confines there. One is remarketing to people who have shown that they care in one way or another to ensure that all of them know that you have something coming out. And then, you know, there, there's a much broader idea of targeting everybody else in the world feasibly right um and so i think that the best thing that people can do especially if you're an indie artist and you have a limited budget which i'm pretty sure all of us do yeah is to ensure that the people who have visited your website or have checked i'm going to an event or who have liked your facebook page or who follow you on instagram and engage with your instagram content you need to make sure those people have it very clear to them what's happening with your album how they can listen to it, how they can save it to their library, how they can pre-order it if they want to, you know, um, push it out to your mailing list. Obviously that's not a Facebook ads thing, but the, you know, we probably most people listening on the independent front don't have massive followings online. We're probably not talking about, you know, people with a hundred thousand followers generally in the indie scene. Right. Yeah. Um, but even if you have 500 or 800 followers or something, that's 800 people who might listen to your music and who have shown in some way, shape or form that they think you are worth following. And if you're not making it very clear to them that you have something out, you're missing out. Right. Um, 
And of course, we all know that the algorithms on social media don't permit you to get your music in front of everybody. Like they show your they show your posts to like 10% right. of your following. So the options for targeting followers of a page or people who have been to your website or people who have gone to your shows, targeting them with ads, which is all very possible and very straightforward in the ad platform, is I think the bare minimum place that people probably should start, especially if you have a limited budget. And now you can, when you say target people that have been to your website, yep. so you can target people, uh, I could target people that have been to andysiddo.com on Facebook. I target their Facebook page if they was that, visited was that, a, was that a product placement website. for your website? No, no, no. Uh, for everybody that's about to visit alecryan.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, that was just the quickest example that came to my head. Uh, we'll say, uh, johnblue.com. What is that? I don't know. I made that one up. Um, that's my other website. Noted. What's that? Noted. Yeah. 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 Um, you can target people. They It doesn't just have to be, it's through the Facebook platform, but it doesn't just have to be people that have interacted with you on Facebook. They could have, the interweb is smart enough to know Alec Ryan has been to Andy Sido's website. There you go. Hold on, my glasses aren't on. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, hold on. We found we found johnblue.com. Oh, johnblue.com. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah. Agricultural and industrial pump products and systems. That's my side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> Is now. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That's not not important. What were you that's asking? Great. Um so were you were you were you wondering how you track people regardless of their Facebook activity based on the fact that they visited your website? They visited my website right. and I'm tr- and I'm hitting them on Facebook. They're, you're, the uh, the smart interweb knows. Is that what you're saying? That Alec Ryan visited my website. We're going to target him on Facebook or on Instagram specifically. Correct. 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 So um, you can set up tracking codes on your website from Facebook. Ah. Uh. And Facebook, you get to you get to my website, let's say, and you visit different parts of my site. Like, let's say maybe you look, you know, you look at upcoming show dates or you visit, you know, an e-commerce store kind of thing. If you uh, Facebook can tell me what parts of the site you visited. So I could say, hey, anyone who spent time on the show dates page on my site show them an ad about the tour coming up and Facebook can peg which user you were on the site and knows which parts of the site that you visited based on the tracking code. Yeah. And I can put together an audience of people who have visited particular pages on the site. Um, general, it won't, it's not like completely foolproof. Like it won't always be able to track everybody all the time, but if Facebook can link you like link the user that's on my site to a Facebook account whether that's because you're logged into Facebook on that phone or yeah. on that laptop yeah or if it's because you're on Google Chrome and the Chrome profile you're logged into also has Facebook logged in like Facebook can connect the dots a lot of different ways and pinpoint oh this user right now is Andy mm. and so it can throw Andy onto a list of people that I can then show ads to. And and this list, just to be clear, is not shown to me. It's not going to say 
hey, Andy, Alec Ryan went to your website and viewed the merch page for an insane amount of time but didn't buy anything. When you run an ad, we're going to hit him. It's not telling me that specifically, so I can't message you and say, hey, man, I noticed you spent some time on the merch page. You want something? Yeah, yeah. It just it stores that information, and I Correct. can tell Facebook to target this audience. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so you are – I would be placed on a list that is anonym, anonymized. Is that a word? It's hashed. I don't know. It's hashed data, so it's not um, – it doesn't like show me a list of 500 people and one of them is Andy. Like it says, Hey, there are 500 people on this list. I don't get to know who they are, but I know that if I serve ads targeting those 500 people, that those people will be the people from that page of my website. Yeah. And so it, the, the ability to be really granular with your targeting is huge. Wow. Um, that's, that's, that's really, that gets into some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's amazing how how smart the quote unquote system is. Mm -hmm. I guess it just picks up all that stuff instantly. Yeah, um, and it's another it's another thing where if you know the platform well, you can you can do a lot of stuff. But if you if you don't, you're just boosting posts. It's just bound to be more broad than it needs to be in yeah. most cases and so it, it's very beneficial to get familiar with how detailed you can be in the business platform you want to get yeah. it's you know it's it's a it's an investment of time for sure or an investment of money if you're hiring someone to do it for you but um there's, there's just a lot of options with it and it's very powerful and you you talked about setting up tracking codes on your mm -hmm. website is that so this is not something that Facebook can do unless you go into uh, johnblue.com and put the tracking code in there? Uh, correct. Okay. Yeah, so so I would have to set up, for instance, an ad account, an advertising account through Facebook for myself, set up a code inside of my own ad account, take that code snippet, have it placed in the code on the website, and then I can do the tracking. So you have to know some basic coding to do this? No, not usually. Okay. Um, like a lot of people are using like a WordPress or a Squarespace or Wix or those kinds of things, right? Yeah. And generally there are like, a, there's a WordPress plugin where, I don't know, do you know anything about WordPress? I don't not know a thing. <laughs> cool. I just uh, um, I just have my Banzoogle website. I cool. love it. It's easy to use. Banzoogle can probably do it too, I cool. would think. Yeah. yeah um, and, you know, I was using Squarespace for a while. I'm on WordPress now. But... um. Yeah, you can just drop a code and it'll say like, you know, grab the grab the main ID from the code, place it in this box, and then Squarespace knows where to put it in the back end of the code. Or Banzoogle knows, or WordPress knows based on the plugin that you use for people who use WordPress. Wow. Okay, yeah. so we all need to do that. You should, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have an ad account, obviously if you don't, if you're not advertising much on Facebook, then... So make a Facebook ad account... <laughs> And then uh, YouTube, a tutorial of how to get that code to your website. And then and then there you go. And then you just start getting bazillions of followers, just like that. You don't even have to have good music. Magic. You just figure Nothing that out. Nothing else required. No further knowledge, skills, or time spent. Did I, did I comprehend that somewhat, <laughs> somewhat correctly? I mean, yeah, besides I mean, the very last part. Sure, yeah. And, I mean, it's very... It's uh, It always circles back to Facebook not caring whether or not you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So 
if you're going to invest, really, really dive in and, and sink time into it so you fully understand what's going on or or sit down with someone who knows that stuff because um, otherwise they're going to they're going to happily accept your money and you may not see a lot of results from it, mm. which I think we've all done plenty of that. I, I definitely did before I knew all of this stuff. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, there's, if you're going to do that, the ability to track on your website and to be able to track everything from people's actions on Facebook and the interests that they've shown provides you a lot of opportunity to get in front of a lot of, a lot of listeners that could very, be very well targeted to be people who would like your music based off of other things they show interest in. So, wow. A lot, so of, kinda, a lot of possibility. Yeah. And you're really able to target your audience that way. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's very insightful. Thank you for, thank you for giving that to us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a, it would take a long podcast episode to actually break it down too much, but yeah. 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 But well, generally it's a good thing to do some familiarizing with, I think. With it, well, you know what? That gives some good opening steps and some insights, at least, into what can be done. Mm-hmm. As I know, a lot of us don't even can aren't even beginning to comprehend what can be done uh, with advertising. Sure. Uh, through through social media platforms, so I think that's that's really helpful. And there's definitely some good nuggets of information. And maybe we will do that longer episode one day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I yeah. I sure appreciate your time. I know you've got. Oh, did you have something? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I actually posted out some stuff um, this week to see if anyone had questions. Oh, here we go. Um, do we have a minute? Yeah, let's do it. So I want to hit some questions here. Um, yeah. So let's see. He had a couple questions from Annie McCavitt on Instagram. Um, let's see. First off, safe travels, Annie. If you do listen to this, um, I know you are on the other side of the world. That's what it says in your in your comment. Um, I don't know where she is at right now, but uh, <laughs> she says, uh, "Have you noticed any changes of your style from uh, this far from when you started? What and why?" Um, yeah, I, mean, I think the biggest change is that I'm with a band now, so it's a full vision compared to what things were when I started. And when I started writing, I had a lot of influences that didn't have anything to do with piano, and so it was not a lot of translation translation of getting music over from the guitar driven stuff that I listened to growing up into, into the uh, space of being a piano based singer songwriter. So a lot of that change went from here's Alec that listens to Paramore to here's Alec that writes music that belongs on a piano. Yeah. So that's, that's been one, one big, one big change. Um, Favorite kind of pie. Uh, strawberry rhubarb my mom made that growing up and that's that's the good stuff i'd never heard of that strawberry rhubarb no dang you gotta find yourself some strawberry rhubarb Let's grab some dinner uh, that's cool yeah sounds good um kinds of ideas that i care most about getting translated to my audience um i mean everything with music for me is a life experience kind of thing um so a lot of what i'm translating is just um it's just life life experience and ultimately hoping that that's related and uh, relatable um, because I think music is what helps me connect to de- life on a deeper level than than anything really and so having having that ability for me to connect with music all throughout my life I hope you know that 
the music I'm putting out offers that same kind of thing to people too. So yeah. that's one thing on that front. But let me see. We have one other question on the other front too. This is from Facebook. When will the second half of Paper and Pen be released? This one's from my mom. I was going to ask you that. I was gonna, that was going to be my very last question. Nice. Um, uh, your mom rocks. Yeah, yeah. My mom rocks. Uh, let's see. Uh, second half. Um, so we are laying some guitar overdubs down currently and a little bit also with organ. So we've got just those those things to uh, finish up with and then everything is pretty well finalized and so we'll move toward finalizing a mix on a song or two and then off to mastering so i think it'll be hopefully within within 60 days or so here i think so i've got a couple other videos and things that are coming as well from a video shoot that happened recently and possibly a single from the second half of the album before the second half comes out so just trying to kind of finalize things a little bit, but if you're not following me online, um, hit alecryan.com to join the mailing list or on all of your socials, it's at alecryanmusic and those are the best places to keep up with that. And I do do my best to to try to, to keep people updated on the timeline of things and let you know what we're up to. So yeah, I don't have an exact answer on the second half release date just because it's kind of a new process for us. So just kind of working through things as quick as we can and we'll have it we'll have it pretty darn soon. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great. Well, we'll I'll be looking forward to it. I'll, I'll definitely post a link in the show notes to cool. uh to the first half. People can go listen to paper uh on Spotify or wherever they mm-hmm. listen to their music and we'll have that down there. I'll have have a link to your website and stuff too. Um, and maybe we'll uh, we'll play the episode out with uh, with a tune. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're looking at me like I was going to make you play one live. Yeah, yeah. It, like in, um, with what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not sitting at a keyboard. <laughs> I know you guys can't see me, but um, but yeah, no, that sounds great. Cool. Well, Excellent. we'll uh, we'll play you all out with that, Alec. Thank you so much for coming on. Good luck with your move to Nashville. Please stay in touch, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. That's my conversation with Alec Ryan. I'm sad he's skipping town. What a cool dude, huh? I want to say a quick thanks to our sponsors. We have PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for any of your audio or restoration needs, you can go to pqmastering.com and contact Patrick directly for more details. We also have a brand new sponsor, Narrator RF. Narrator RF is a license-free company here in the Denver metro area. They offer simple and affordable licensing on exceptional music for sync. I've had the privilege of sending over uh, some tracks for them to use myself, and I've uh, had several friends get involved with it, and it's a brand new site. It's a cool thing, so if you're running a company of some sort or you're doing an advertisement or you have a podcast and you need theme music, you can go to narratorrf.com and look up what you're looking for, what type of music, and the website will give you a slew of affordable options. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, please rate and review wherever you listen to your episodes 
It, it means a lot. It really helps us out to get more listeners. If you would like to reach out for suggestions on guests, comments, concerns, hate mail, death threats, shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar.com. Thanks again for listening. We're going to play you out right now with a brand new track from Alec Ryan's first half of his paper and pen album. The song is called Love and Joy Avenue. Enjoy and we'll see you next time. Both alone and I, desperate at heart. Cause it's painful in your bell and all of these feelings are filling up your head so you start. Start wondering if feelings mean anything Or if feelings can just be a filled void Cause we replay the words they said But it blurs together into white noise Cause somebody's still at mind Cause we need silence Somebody take Cause we're on the corner of love and joy avenue Oh, but I need a summer like me Oh, but you need a summer like you To hold a hand, have a place to land in Something of substance or maybe just a one-night stand Something to get us through Anything to get us through
Stay.